Welcome to the PBO Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. Your host here, E. Vanderbilt, with his trusted canine sidekick, Woody, where we bring you the news raw, unfiltered, and with no chaser. And welcome to another segment of the PBO Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. And no, uh, we have not gotten any updated results on the presidential election. They're still the same as they were from the last segment. Now, maybe, who knows? Maybe in the middle of this segment, things will change. But here's a question that I had, and maybe some of you had as well, is how do they get the votes? How do they know where, where, where these states, that the, what the votes are? Where, where does that, what is that process, and what does it look like? Because, you know, there is an old saying, actually it's a communist saying, I believe, that he who counts the votes wins the election. So who's counting these votes? Where, where are they getting them? Well, there's an article here in um, uh, voanews.com, how media organizations report election results in real time. Uh, as Americans prepare to go to the polling stations on election day, November 3rd, course, we've already gone. You know, there's more than 7,000 races that were up for grabs yesterday. But anyway, who announces, here's the section that's relevant, who announces winners in the U.S. election? State election officials are the ones who certify the vote count, but long before every ballot has been counted, the American news media uses a variety of data sources and tools to protect the winners. Uh, or project the winners. I'm sorry, not protect. Some of them maybe do try to protect the winners. But anyway, I digress. That was a slip. Uh, using a collection of raw vote totals, statistical techniques, and projections, the news organizations which have been covering American presidential elections continuously since 1848 have had an excellent but not perfect record of calling the race. Of course, the one that's not perfect is Florida in 2000. But what, it, what happened in Florida in 2000 was, you know, it was a tight race. So they called it for Florida, then they rescinded it, or they called it for um, Gore, then they rescinded it, then they called it for Bush. And I believe they rescinded that too until it went to court. But anyway, I digress. How do news organizations count vote returns on election night? Votes are tabulated county by county by the Associated Press, a nonprofit news agency which uses its national network of more than 4,000 reporters on election night um, to record the vote tallies from county clerks and other local officials. So in, in the, so the simple answer is that the AP uh, are stationed around the country at the Secretary of State's office or have co connections within the Secretary of State's office. The Secretary of State's office reports the, the numbers to these associate press um, reporters, and those reporters go back, they, they send it to somebody else who plugs in all that data, and then that data is sent out to the news media outlets. So that's why you sometimes see a disparaging between other, some and the others is because they may not get the news as fast. But technically, what happens is the, uh, the Secretary of State offices are the ones that release the data. The Associated Press takes the data, plugs it in, and then releases it out to all the other apparatuses. And most of them are using this same process. So that's how we know when the votes are tallied. And you can watch, like as I was doing last night, watching between MSNBC, CNN, and Fox News. And they were all tallying at about the same point, all, all the um, – the election results coming in were all about the same. There was very little disparaging between the, the, the three media outlets that I was watching last night. So that's, it's a real simple process if you, you think about it. Now, is there room for error? Of course there's room for error. But who does the counting? Let's, let's look at that before we get into that. Local election workers collect the ballot tally tallies in each precinct. How and when the ballots are counted is determined by local and state laws. For example, some states such as Pennsylvania 
And Wisconsin required that no ballots be counted until Election Day, even if they arrive at election offices weeks earlier. Once the votes from, the pre, from a precinct are counted, election workers pass the information to county and state officials who then make the tallies available to reporters and the public. So there's where one of your breakdowns is, is those people, the local election workers, well, if they're corrupt, they can miscount purposefully or they can miscount accidentally. But when all these early votes come in, in some states, they can't do anything with them. I think Georgia is one of those. Uh, Florida had it all prepared. So when the, they can't report any of this data until the polls close. So that's why you see uh, the news media outlets start talking about how that we project the winner. You know, as soon as a poll closes, we project the winner. Virginia was one of those states last night. I'll talk about that in just a second. But the, what happens is all of those early votes are in some states plugged in. They're they're all scanned. They're put in there. So as soon as the polls close, they press a button and whoosh, they're all released. That's why you see a flurry of results last night. You know, last night was record early votes. 100 million people or early voters. So you saw data coming like Florida really fast. So Florida had the numbers ready and all they did once the polls closed, now legally they can push that button and whoosh, all those numbers came out. So all of that, because there were 100 million early votes, uh, it was easy to see the votes come in quick and the votes did come in quick. They rushed in. So who decides the winners? At the AP, a team of race callers on the decision desk determines when they have enough information to declare a winner. The team is looking at more than just the overall vote total, taking into account the incoming vote as well as how many ballots are left to count and where those uncounted votes were cast. So this election, the AP is not using exit polling data conducted by the national election pool as it's done in years past. And they're not doing that because it was so bad last, last cycle and the cycle before that, that exit polling has just becomes kind of a joke. And what the exit polling was, if you're not familiar, is people would, reporters, <clears throat> people would be positioned outside of the polls and they'd ask a series of questions. They'd collect that data, report it in, and it was almost like a poll. That's why they call it exit polling. But it's very inaccurate. So in this case, what they do, what they did is each apparatus, whether it be CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, or some of these other news outlets is they have, uh, you know, or they rely on other groups like one called Decision Desk. And what they do is they pull all the data and they see where the votes are coming in what county. If a county is heavy Republican and they've got the majority of votes from that heavy Republican county but you got another county heavily democrat and they don't have a those votes in yet they may not call it but if they have both votes in from both of them and it already leans to a candidate they'll call the race so there's is a lot of mathematical formulas that they plug into a computer and it gives that probability of whether or not going to win the race that's why you'll see like in virginia people were like all a twitter on twitter uh, how could they call virginia when they just closed the polls and trump was leading in the numbers that were being reported well they can do that because they've got data from what counties still have not reported in and in this case in virginia <clears throat> you had a lot of the republican counties already reported in and hardly or not many of the democrats counties there was a huge democrat county that hadn't been reported in so you take those republican votes and let's say there are uh, ten thousand. And you look at the Democrat votes, and let's say there's already 4,000 Democrat votes in, but there's this high, heavily, heavily Democrat 
district county over here that hasn't reported and they have 10,000 outstanding. You bring those in, then now the Democrats got 14, the Republicans got 10,000, the Democrats win. That's how they call these elections. And I got to say is, you know, a lot of people are like, that's not fair. They should wait. No, I don't agree with that. Uh, I, I, most cases, they're pretty accurate. There have been very, very few scenarios where they've had to go back and um, change the call. Uh, Florida in 2000 being the one example. Very few. When Virginia was called last night, people were uh, on social media going, how could that be? Trump's leading. And throughout the night, Trump was leading. Well, right now, as it stands, we got 87% of the votes in. Virginia was called for Biden a long time ago. Biden's got 2.3 million plus votes. Uh, Trump's got 1.9 million plus votes. So you, their, their call was right. It was accurate. So that's, that's how they can call these elections ahead of time. And whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, we as Americans, and uh, actually I should say we as humans, we want information. We want to know. So it's, you know, I, I understand people are saying, well, they shouldn't call the votes because the rest of the country hasn't voted yet. Well, come on. Human nature says we want to know. We want to know. And what's funny about the election last night is it played out exactly how 2016 played out. The same states, the same, you know, Congress, Senate, everything, there was no change. I mean, it was a no change election other than what we're dealing with right now in Michigan and Wisconsin. If Trump can pull out Michigan, Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, which are still not called, it's just like 2016. North Carolina, Georgia, still not called. It would be just like 2016. What's happening now that's different is the shenanigans that we're seeing in Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania. Um, and yeah, I do believe that there's shenanigans at play there. I do believe there's voter fraud. I just do. Uh, and I believe the Democrats banked it in. And here's why, because I, do, I think the Democrats are corrupt. I think they're, you know, they've been corrupt for generations. They will continue to be corrupt until we get rid of them. And it doesn't look like we're getting rid of them anytime soon based on yesterday's results. I, I think the only way they can win is by cheating. I really do. I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist here. I'm not trying to throw wrenches in the machine. I really do believe the Democrat Party is corrupt. They're, I mean, you look at their leaders. They're not, I mean, they're in it for themselves. They're in it for power. You could try to say it about Trump. I know all you leftists do this, but it's just not true. And then there's the media. The media also is corrupt. If we had a useful media in this country, these election results would not be anywhere near this. I'll give you an experiment to do. In your daily practices, if you're bold enough to talk politics with coworkers, family, and friends, ask them this question. How many peace deals in the Middle East has Trump accomplished? And ask them, how many? Now, if you don't know the answer, you know, the problem is the media. The media does not help this president by reporting his accomplishments and his success. So you ask people, how many peace agreements in the Middle East has this president accomplished in his first term in office? The answer is four, by the way, four. And most people don't know that. I've asked that question, and I've yet to find somebody that knew that. Now, why don't they know that? They don't know it because they're not, you know, I can't accuse them of not being aware. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a junkie for this stuff, so I should know it, right? It's because of the media. 
if the our mainstream media would actually report this and it's not just by the way abc nbc cbs msnbc cnn fox news um it's all these radio stations people listen to, those morning drive show things. If the mainstream media was making a big deal out of this, those morning radio hosts or those evening radio hosts and those whatever would be mentioning this because it would be in the news. See, the media knows this. They know if they don't put it in the news, all these you know surface entertainment slash information shows are not going to pick it up. They're, they're just not. Because where do people get most of their information? I mean, gosh, at one point in time, the Daily Show, the comedy show, was where people getting a lot of information. And the Daily Show, it's so far left right now with that new host, Trevor, what's his name, that nobody will ever hear these presidents, this president's accomplishments. Four Middle East peace agreements. Four. He's been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize four times. Most people don't know that. Most people have no idea of this president's accomplishment because of our ineffective, useless mainstream media. They are so focused on orange man bad, getting Democrats elected, that they just don't care to report this. Because if they did report this, they know it would look good for the president. But what they report are his tweets. Uh, they report, you know, him talking bad about people. They, they report the negative. They don't report the positive of this president. He's had a number of accomplishments. It's been amazing what he has accomplished in his first term. And right now, because of this media that we have that doesn't report, it doesn't look like he's going to get a second term. And again, I'm highly pessimistic right now, but right now I, I, I know how it works in these in politics. When a race turns like this, it usually doesn't turn back. It it does during election night, by the way. And you saw that last night. You saw Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania go blue, red, blue, red. You saw Georgia blue, red, blue, red. North Carolina, uh, blue, blue, red, blue, red. You saw it even with Texas. But once the election is over once the election day is done all the polls have closed and tallies have come in when you see it switch like this it usually usually doesn't look good for the person it switched from and it usually switches from the republicans to the democrats so yeah i'm a little pessimistic now there are some positive lights out of yesterday's election of course the gop holds the senate Great. I wanted the how uh, the Democrats to get the house. It looks like they they're going to keep the house. It doesn't look like it. They are going to keep the house, and I I hope they continue to go bat bat crap crazy and show the Americans who they really are. And in 2024, they're ousted, and then I'm sorry, 2022, and in 2024 we get another shot at the presidency if Trump can't hang on. Now, I I, I heard another pundit one uh, claim that. Uh, if they call the race for Biden, Trump should immediately announce his plan to run for reelection in 2024. That would be hilarious. And then we would see, and actually I love that idea because then we would see the left go crazy again because Trump's still there. But anyway, uh, in Madison, uh, in North Carolina, there was a Republican that won a Republican 
a congressional race, or he run a congressional race, not a Republican. He made it Republican. Actually, it switched from Republican. So his name is Madison Cawthorn. You may have seen Madison Cawthorn if you watched any of the um, President Trump's convention, because uh, he's the young gentleman in a wheelchair, and a really great story, and he decided to get into politics. He's 25 years old, and he'll be the youngest Republican elected to the House. Now, uh, you know, the, he is replacing, or he's filling an open seat from Mark Meadows, who resigned to be the White House Chief of Staff, but this seat has been Democrat, Republican, Democrat, Republican, Democrat, Republican, so now it looks like it's Republican, but it's a nice story that we have him in the White House, and if you know his story, and I highly encourage you to look it up, his name is Madison Cawthorn, and I'll put the article, it's by the New York Times, of his win, here's the, the headline, Madison Cawthorn, Cawthorn wins in North Carolina, become youngest Republican elected to the House. So that's a that's a positive out of the election. Now, also, the Dow Jones must have thought Trump was going to win going um, uh, into the election last night because the Dow jumped 550 points, by the way, at the close of the bell. But the election obviously didn't go that way that they wanted it to go. But hey, that happens. And then you've got the voter fraud I mentioned. This is from Gateway Pundit. If, here's a headline from Gateway Pundit. Voter fraud in Michigan. Massive dump of over 200,000 ballots for Biden all of a sudden appear overnight. Hmm. That is suspect, right? Another headline from Gateway Pundit. Voter fraud in Wisconsin. Massive dump of 100,000 ballots for Biden all of a sudden overnight. It, you know, you can't deny it. You just can't deny it, ladies and gentlemen. You just can't deny it. Who, who wouldn't think that? If it was opposite, the, le the left would be thinking the same thing. And then, of course, well, Lindsey Graham won his seat, which I had no doubt he would retain his seat. But he had a pretty scathing tweet uh, to, the, to the pollsters. Lindsey Graham, after winning, uh, to all the pollsters out there, you have no idea what you're doing. And to all of the liberals in California and New York, you wasted a lot of money. This is the worst return on investment in the history of American politics. And it really was because they spent gobs of money to try to unseat him and it came out to where i think lindsey graham won his seat pretty handily it was a toss-up for a while but still he won the seat pretty handily but here's my favorite from last night is <laughs> keith olbermann <laughs> you you know keith olbermann right he's that lunatic former espn host who also had his own pundit show talk, uh, on msnbc and got boosted from there because he's just crazy i mean the guy's a nut and not only is he a nut he's an idiot I mean, he's a complete moron, but he keeps getting, this is what boggles the mind. People keep giving him a forum to spew his nonsense. But here is from uh, BPR, politic, Business and Politics. <laughs> Keith Oberman scrambles to explain tweet, calling Trump whiny little Kunta Kinte after he's destroyed from all sides. As a social media user aptly noted, unhinged liberal, I'd say leftist, Keith Olbermann just ascended to the final form on the leftist evolution tree, the racist. <laughs> of course, once he got a feel for how bad he's being ratioed in his tweet, Olbermann deleted the entry. Uh, and while you may think he opted for the cowardly way out, blaming autocorrect, he was a little more creative in his excuse. First of all, here's his tweet. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh, but it is it actually I do mean to laugh. It's hilarious. In a rough in a rush to spew hatred for President Trump, the former ESPN spokescaster dared to suggest that Kunta Kinte, the fictional slave character featured in the hit miniseries Roots, was whiny. 
Here's his tweet. Yes, at real Donald Trump has always been, will always be, and on the day of his bid for re-election still is a whiny little Kunta Kinte. Olbermann tweeted. Notice how this man thinks he's so freaking brilliant, how he puts his words together. I mean, he thinks he's so, you can tell he just drips with smugness and uh, elitism. He thinks he's so freaking smart the way he talks, but he's an idiot. Because look at what he just said, a whiny little Kunta Kinte. Now he got called out for it. So here's where the tweet came from. He was actually replying to Aaron Rupar. Aaron Rupar was, sent a tweet about Fox and Friends hosts are being forced to defend Fox News Donald Trump and not being sycophants for Donald Trump. Anyway, that's Keith Olbermann's tweet to, to Aaron Rupar. Yes, at real Donald Trump has always been, will always be, and on the day of his bid for re-election still is a whiny little Kunta Kinte. So... Oh, he got a lot of flack for that. But look at what he did to try to apologize. This is hilarious. So he, he got back on, and this is what he said. I apologize for my previous subtweet of this. I was using an old 70s to 80s technique for calling somebody a C-U-N-T without writing slash saying C-U-N-T, just using a sound alike to call Trump a C-U-N-T. So... Uh, like that was any better. <laughs> so calling Trump, President Trump, uh, probably the worst word you can use for a female uh, by using a black. <laughs> so, I mean, has somebody, nobody ever told this guy about the see you next Tuesday uh, way to do it? I mean, come on. I mean, is that how, this is how shallow and tin-eared Keith Oberman is that he doesn't even see his own hypocrisy, his own bigotry, and I won't say racism, but I'm sure he believes he's superior than probably anybody else on the planet. But, <laughs> oh, what a moron, a complete moron. And yet, and yet, people continue to give this man a platform and it, dry, it just boggles the mind. I mean, hey, he looks like a freaking uh, psychopath when he's on TV. He's just angry. This is the left. He is the epitome of the modern day left. He uses a, 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 a black man to call a white man the worst word you can call a female. What a, what a lovely human being he is. Just a lovely human being. So, you know, let's... A couple of other things that uh, of the lawsuits that are coming on in Pittsburgh, Rep. Mike Kelly and others file a lawsuit to block counties from providing provisional ballots because what happened in Pennsylvania, what's happening in Pennsylvania, drag on this election just a little more, is that, and there's two lawsuits now in Pennsylvania, that the state is allowing changes in how they count provisional ballots like right before the election. I mean, right before they, they changed how they're going to count. In a lawsuit filed Tuesday night in a statewide appellate court, Rep. U.S. Uh, Mike Kelly of Pennsylvania and five other plaintiffs want to block counties from allowing voters whose mail-in ballots were disqualified to be able to cast a vote by provisional ballot. Now, the lawsuit said the state Supreme Court has already ruled that the state law provides no such avenue for a voter to fix a disqualified vote. So, in other words, people send in these ballots, and I guess there was something wrong with them, and they wanted to fix them, and the law says you can't do that, but they allowed it to happen. So, this is where all the lawsuits are going to come from this election. It's going to be tons tons of them and if you were watching any of the media last night uh over on msnbc they kept talking about how much they needed to drink how much you're going to drink so you know today they're probably toasting all of that but you know you're not gonna we're not gonna see 
we're just not going to see the election results anytime soon, which is a damn shame. We should know who our president is right now. We just should know. But unfortunately, we simply don't because we have a media that wants to obfuscate and they want to prevent people from having the information that they need to make an informed choice. And we have an electorate that is not intellectually curious. They're intellectually lazy. If you voted for Biden or Harris, I'm sorry, you are intellectually lazy and you really have no idea of the cause and effect of what a presidency from Biden and Harris would do. Because Biden won't be the president for long. You have to know that. I mean, I know some of you don't know that. Some of you are that stupid that you think Biden is actually in it for the long haul. And I know there are a lot that think he's a good guy. He's not a good guy. He's corrupt. He's corrupt to the core. And I know there are a lot of you who think Harris, because she's a black female, is qualified just simply because she's a black female, which is also just dumb. I, I you know, if, if they manage to pull this off, I do worry for our country. And for you uh, listeners outside of the United States, and there are many that listen to this podcast outside of the United States, uh, you should worry too. Because the economy of the United States is so massive and so powerful that it helps the rest of the world. And then, there's, and then Donald Trump, he was helping the world with trade, helping open up trade. The reason that those four Middle East peace deals happened is because of trade. It opened up trade between other Middle Eastern countries and Israel. And Trump got them to the table because of the economic aspect of it all. So him as president of the United States only is going to help the entire world economically. And, you know, also, a President Trump was holding China accountable. A President Biden will not. Um, Our world economy, if it crashes... Uh, well, I'm sorry, let me back that up. If the United States economy crashes again, if it goes down, the rest of the world uh, potentially goes down as well. Uh, if you are a free society where you have open trade, such as you know India, um, Israel, most of Europe, uh, Canada, Mexico, we have a we have a great trade agreement between those two countries because of Donald J. Trump. It benefits you. Uh, it benefits you to have a president of the United States that holds China accountable because China wants to bring the rest of the world down because that elevates them up. So if China can hurt the U.S. economy, it it helps them become the number one economy in the world, and that's what they want. And it helps Russia if the U.S. has a leftist leadership in the White House. And, you know, Harris and Biden, they have said they want to ban fracking. We are, for the first time in the history of our nation, energy independent. We're actually selling our energy to other countries, our oil specifically. And this helps Russia tremendously because their economy is based on oil. It helps Venezuela tremendously because their economy is also based on oil. So if we uh, damage or hurt our oil production in our nation because of environmental reasons, you know, we don't want to frack or whatever it is that the left often proposes, it helps countries you may not want helped. It helps propel countries that have perpetrated evil on the world. And yes, communism 
China is a communist country. Communism is evil. Sorry if you don't believe that. I mean, there's no, there's no history documented where a communist style government has ever succeeded. And it is never, where it has ever not oppressed its people. And yeah, I'm bringing up communism. I think communism, we need to talk about it. I think it was the Khrushchev, late leader of Russia, who said that it will be, the America will be destroyed from within. No outside party will destroy America. It will be destroyed from within. And that's what we're seeing if this is allowed to hold. And again, my pessimism, my pessimism is high here. Uh, I just watching politics for a number of years. I've yet to see it except for the 2000 election. And, you know, we're not there yet where there, it looks like we're going to go to court in Pennsylvania, but if Wisconsin and Michigan go blue, it's over. It's over. And we will see a senile old man as a president of the United States who most likely won't last two years. And then a lady who who advocates communism equality as she put in a video she released two days ago two three days ago um ascend to the highest office of the land an individual who could not even win one primary in her own party an individual who could not even attain one delegate in her own party while she was running for the president of the united states it's just a damn shame. Just a damn shame. Thank you for listening to this episode of the PBL Podcast. Politics and brown liquor. Sorry for the pessimism. Uh, it's just been a long night. It's going to be a long day. It's going to be a long week. Let's pray that it does turn around and this one time things go differently than they have historically in the past when these types of issues rear their ugly head in elections. Um, Again, thank you for listening to this episode of PBL Podcast. Please do, if you're listening to us on iTunes, um, please like, share, give us a five-star rating, and subscribe. And if you're watching this on the YouTube and you haven't subscribed yet, please do subscribe. And if you're not watching it on YouTube, yeah, please head on over to YouTube. Politics and Brown Liquor is our channel. And subscribe to our channel. It helps us in the algorithm because it looks like we're going to need all the voices we can get if the Biden-Harris team accomplishes their goal of flipping these states blue. Again, thank you for listening. PBL Podcast, politics, and brown liquor.